When I say can you dig it, put your two hands up like that. Welcome to another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by Silver Screen and Roll and SB Nation Lakers community. You can find us over at silverscreenandroll.com or on social over at Lakers SBN. I am Christian Rebus, one of the hosts. Uh, Grant cannot be here today, and I truthfully don't know if he'll do another episode. He's off the figure <laughs> and, uh, and better things at Bleacher Report. Shout out to him for grinding and getting it done. So instead... I have the equally impressive Jacob Brood. Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't want to give you the more impressive, but equally impressive, I'll give you. Um, co-editor at Lonzo Wire, along with myself. Uh, Jacob, how are you doing today, bud? Well, uh, so far as we're recording this, I've not picked a correct game in my March Madness bracket, so could be doing better, but it's... It's uh, season's almost over, so in that regard, I'm I'm happy. I'm tired of watching these Lakers. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the boat everybody's in right now. It's it's kind of tough to talk about the Lakers in their current state, which is why Grant and I over the past few weeks have talked about everything but the way <laughs> the Lakers have played. Uh, we've looked to the past. We've looked to um, the future, and uh, in this episode specifically, I want us to take a look. At the upcoming free agency class, Lakers will have an upwards of $37.2 million in cap space to blow on a free agent like Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, Clay Thompson, Kemba Walker, uh, Kawhi Leonard. Did I already say him? Um, did, but I'd give him the max twice. <laughs> uh, it, 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 there's going to be quite a few options for them, but before they do that, they have a few internal free agents on the roster. They have to at least consider bringing back. Uh, and I, I was looking at the expiring contracts on the Lakers roster yesterday. And there's eight of them. The Lakers have 16 players on their roster, including two way players, um, not including Scott Machado, who they signed to a 10 day contract uh, just yesterday. But uh, it's um most of their team will not be here next season. Uh, the only players they'll have under contract next, uh, going into this summer are going to be LeBron James, who will make $37.4 million uh, through the 2020 season. Uh, Lonzo Ball, who will make $8.7 million. Brandon Ingram, who will make $7.2 million. And then Mo Wagner, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, and Isaac Bonga, who will make uh, under $2 million. So... Um, it's a, it's a very scarce roster with a few talented players on good contracts, uh, but a lot of outgoing guys, Jacob. The, I think the big thing for me is that this needs to be the last year of having so much roster turnover. Um, like I don't, I get, I don't really care. Like if they strike out, if they land a big guy, they need to be signing people to multi-year deals moving forward because it's so hard to build any kind of consistency when you have so much turnover every year and you run into the same problems every year, trying to get a bunch of one-year guys like we've seen this year to buy into a team system when most of those guys, as we're, as we'll talk about, most of these guys aren't going to come back. Right. Um, 
So it's hard to get guys to buy into a system that they're not going to be a part of long term. Um, that's a kind of overarching thing I've thought about when looking towards free agency is like I'm done with one year deals and kicking the can down the road. Like build the team you're going to build this year, whether it be for the now or for the future and just stick with it. Like we need some type of like long-term security with these guys. Yeah. And that's um, as, as much criticism as there's been of Luke Walton, I think especially down this last stretch of the season, um, with guys like Alex Caruso and Jonathan Williams playing particularly well. I think a, a lot of the criticisms of Luke are warranted. And I think at this point, um, he's probably made his own bed. Like if, if he's let go this season, it won't be because of his coaching. Uh, but I think you can make the argument that like with the job, uh, he did with the second half of the season, particularly it, it's probably not unjustified to let him go. Um, but that being said, I think it is extremely like the position he's been put in has been extremely hard because to have to reteach your system and your principles to the, to almost half of the roster every season since he's been here has to be tough. And the only incoming players or sorry, the only returning players are a bunch of, you know, 20 and 21 year olds trying to explain, um, you know, the culture or whatever to LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard. Like that's a, that's a difficult situation for them to be in. I, I don't care how, old like if they're on the older side like Kyle Kuzma and Josh Hart like that's a that's a difficult situation to be in for them it's a tough situation for Luke to be in so I agree I think I think the key going forward um, is filling out that bench with guys on multi-year deals so you don't end up with Lance Stevenson Michael Beasley uh, and JaVale McGee Um, but they do have at least one or two uh, then two's being polite, uh, guys <laughs> that I think they should consider bringing back. Uh, and I think it starts with Reggie Bullock. Bullock hasn't been an especially good shooter since arriving to L.A. It's probably something in the air. I don't know. But everybody that comes to L.A. just forgets how to shoot. Um, but he has a cap hold of $4.7 million, and the Lakers have his full bird rights. Uh, so they can go over the cap to sign him. And if they sign a 35% max guy like Kevin Durant, um, they'd have to renounce him to sign him. But I think w- we can both say pretty confidently Kevin Durant's not coming to the Lakers. I would go on that limb. Yeah. And, it's a pretty uh, sturdy limb at this point. <laughs> so uh, I think Reggie Bullock, I'd love to see him back. I think he has a really quick trigger. I think his career suggests that he will bounce back as a shooter. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he's like a 39% career three-point shooter, which is very good. Uh, it's a far cry from anything else on the roster. So uh, I'd love to see Bullock back next season. Do you share the same thoughts, Jacob? Yeah, I mean, it's been weird. He's <laughs> Somehow he's only played 16 games for the Lakers, and they have been at both extremes. Um, when he got here, like those first handful of games, especially that Rockets game, I remember, um, he was incredible and he was, uh, he was knocking down shots. He was playing really good defense. Um, he seems like 
everything that we had hoped Contavious Caldwell Pope would be. Um, and then I don't know what, yeah, I don't know what happened. I mean, I know I've listened to Pete um, on a pod, couple podcasts, and I think he hit the nail on the head in that Bullock isn't great in chaos, basically. And yeah. that's more or less what the Lakers have been offensively um, is chaotic. And, um, I mean, he did hit all three of his threes against Milwaukee. That raises his three-point percentage to 22% over the last eight games. Uh, It's been a really rough time for him. Um, But, yeah, like you said, this seems like um, the exception. Like, he's been a great three-point shooter. He's the perfect guy you want alongside superstars. Um, He's perfect to this kind of the modern NBA. He's a great scorer, can defend multiple positions. Um, but yeah, the biggest thing you mentioned, his cap hold is only 4.7 million. They can sign a 30, uh, I think that I'm pretty sure they can sign a 30% match. They can. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. And not have to renounce him, which is huge. So they could get someone like a Kimball Walker or something like that. Um, and keep Bullock and, which is big, and I think that might be kind of the the saving grace for him is that they won't have to renounce him, and they uh, he should be able to come back. Um, he probably cost himself a little money with the how he's played with the Lakers, which I guess in the long run will save the Lakers a bit. I don't right. know that they'll have to use the room-level exception on him, um, which – my, which would be nice. You could use that on a, another player. But, yeah, he's definitely someone, even with how poorly he's played of late. I mean, the entire Lakers have played poorly of late, so I'm not going to hold it against him too much. He's he's definitely like a shoe, and I want him back um, with the Lakers next year. The other guys on the roster huh. uh, aren't as... Like, I don't think anybody's advocating for them to be back. So we're looking at Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who made $12 million this past year, for anybody that needed reminding. Uh, Rajon Rondo, who made $9 million. Uh, so to bring everybody up to speed, that's $21 million spent on Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Rajon Rondo. Not great, Bob. Not great. Uh, Mike Muscala. Uh, who has been an absolute nightmare <laughs> since the trade. I mean, he's been a nightmare all season. Let's be real here. Yeah. It was not a good trade when it was made, and I have a story up on com that goes into that. But, man, it just it never made sense. They don't, they don't even get his bird rights because he's been flipped like three times within the past year. Uh, which is a which is should be a red flag. Like if teams are just readily making this guy available, you don't give up your starting center for him. He uh, didn't even play a game for the the Clippers and was traded from. Him. Yeah, he was there for like less than twenty four hours. So, and it's like I don't, I ha, I mean I've legitimately watched the Lakers. I think I've only missed like one game of late, uh-huh. uh, the Toronto game. I I haven't seen him hit a three pointer. Like it's not even a bit. Like I haven't yeah. seen him. He's only hit four or three of them. Yeah. With the Lakers, and I I promise I have not seen him hit one three pointer. It is awful. It is. Yeah. No. He's he's terrible. Like and oh, man, I don't want to get into this, but I will say, the Clippers can sign two max guys, 
and then go over the cap to sign Zubats because they have his full bird rights. Which, I don't know, that would have been a nice thing to have for the Lakers. They would have had Reggie Bullock and Zubats' full bird rights after signing a max free agent. That's how you fill out a bench. That's that's what a competent front office does to fill out their roster. But I don't know what that is because I'm a Lakers fan. Uh, I uh, I was talking with someone yesterday. I was dead wrong about Jerry West. Whenever the whole thing came out about, like, they didn't want him in the front office, I was like, it's fine. Like, he hasn't been around for a while. I, I don't know how much of a difference he can make. Absolutely, I was 100% dead wrong. Like, he is just killing it with the Clippers. Like, yeah. that front office is so well run. I never thought there'd be a day where I wish – we had the Clippers front office, but I wish we had the Clippers front office. Yeah. I mean, he's doing everything he's done throughout his career, which is insane. Like he's built teams from the ground like three times now. Yeah. The That's... Lakers, Warriors and Clippers now. Yeah. Wasn't he with the Grizzlies for a little bit or am I mistaken? No, you're right. He was with them too. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, but this is a Lakers podcast, not a Clippers podcast. Um, <laughs> so we'll, t- we'll move on. Uh, by talking about former Clipper Lance Stevenson, which <laughs> as much as we talk about wanting the, the Clippers' former front office, they gave up a first for him. That's pretty remarkable. They um, gave up a first for Jeff Green, too. That's, I mean, shout out to them, man. Do what you got to do. I guess uh, that's our, there is light at the end of the tunnel <laughs> if they can give up first for those guys and still yeah. be where they're at. Um, Lance, I, I, We'll 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 go through these guys, but let's a quick rundown. We already mentioned Bullock, uh, Javale, Tyson Chandler, Alex Caruso, and then Jonathan Williams. I'm not sure uh, because Alex Caruso signed a two year two way contract um, two summers ago, and that detail didn't come out up until last summer. So it's possible that Jonathan Williams also signed a two-year two-way, which I wouldn't mind at all because I think he's mm-hmm. played uh, pretty well over the past few games since he's been called up. Uh, so right now, let's just say, though, let's assume that's not the case. They have eight uh, pending free agents. Let's start with KCP. Um, I don't think he's going to get anywhere in the ballpark of that $12 million unless a team is really, really high on him. Which, I mean, you know, no. I guess you could talk yourself into it. I personally can't. But he is 26 years old, which isn't very old. Uh, he's a two-way player, in theory, when his, uh, his <laughs> two-point shot is falling. Um, so I, I can see a team talking to themselves into him being a starter. Uh, but I don't think the Lakers are that team. KCP turned down $80 million two years ago. Yeah, that's uh, Clutch really fumbled that one. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm looking at it now. It was a five-year $80 million offer. And Incredible. There, the quote is, the salary quote wasn't even close to what KCP was seeking. He wanted a, yeah, he wanted $100 million. Uh, yeah, fumbled nope. would be a very nice way of saying what they did <laughs> Fumbled there. the bag. Um. No, I think the idea of KCP is much greater than what he actually is at this point. Um, in theory, he's a 3 and D wing. Uh, in reality, 
it's it comes and goes. Sometimes he's a three and D wing, and other times he looks like a two way wing. Like it, it's frustrating. I mean, there, for large stretches last year, he he looked really good. But yeah, I mean, at this point, I tweeted this a couple games ago. I mean, probably the Milwaukee game changed some things, but I wasn't even sure he was going to get above the veterans minimum. Like he might get. I guess he might get like the room exception. I agree. But to see, like I said, he turned down eighty million, and he's gonna get like a. He's definitely not getting above ten million this year. So, like, it's been a weird ride. He owes the Lakers so much for the <laughs> amount of money they've given him the last two years. Yeah, and that brings me to my next point with with Rajon Rondo. Um, as much as I don't want him to come back, because I think we can say pretty confidently that Alex Caruso's moved past him in the rotation. Uh, and the point guard mark or the point guard free agent market isn't particularly vast, especially this year. Uh, but I think there are a few names that the Lakers would consider before bringing Rondo back. The thing with Rondo though, is that the Lakers paid him $9 million. And when that signing was made, I thought the only way this makes sense is that there was kind of an under the table deal that this is like, you know, uh, a two year deal up front. Like you're getting the $9 million this year, but next summer it, when we go star chasing, we'd love to have you back, but like on the veterans minimum, um, which is my way of coping with that contract. That's probably <laughs> not true. Uh, but what would, how would you feel about bringing Rondo back on a vet's minimum contract? See, like, both times he got hurt, like, he was playing well before both those times. Um, those injuries came at really unfortunate times, but, like, since he's come back the second time, he has been just dreadful. He, offensively, he has 456 possessions this year. Synergy has him in the ninth percentile offensively. He is He has been awful. Um, early in the year... No, it's bad. Uh, he's in the third percentile in transition. Um, he, yeah. I mean, early in the year, I was fine with it. I, I probably at some point tweeted that I thought um, he could come back. But this last, like, I don't know how many string of games it's been, about 20 games or so, he's been so bad and just so resistant to change that, yeah, Caruso looks much better than him, um, which it's wild to say that Rondo's going to get benched by a two-way guard and a 10-day contract. But, um, yeah, I'm probably out on Rondo. His fit was always kind of wonky with LeBron anyway, especially if you have Lonzo. You really just need shooting around him. They tried this whole ball handler thing that I think or I hope they realize blew up in their face. Um, so no, I don't see him coming back and I don't think there's just not really a scenario for me where I see him coming back or it making sense for either side. Yeah. And to your point, I think it is important to remember that like, so for example, in November through, through six games, he played in November. So small sample size, but he had the highest net rating on the team at 10.4. Mm-hmm. And then in December, uh, 
through three games played. Again, he hasn't been healthy a lot this season, uh, but a 7.7 net rating, which was third on the team. So there was a point in the season he was serviceable. That um, Golden State game on Christmas, he was absolutely incredible. Right. In the Portland game earlier this season, he was also very, very good. Uh, and literally both of those games, I think, were right before he got hurt. Right. And, yeah, so it, it, it definitely, I mean, for the veterans minimum, you can't complain about too many players coming back. Uh, my only thing is, uh, if Luke's going to be back, I don't know what it is, but he loves Rondo. Like, mm-hmm. and Rondo loves him. Like, I don't know if you heard his his postgame comments on Monday, but Rondo called Luke the best coach he's ever had. Like, that's that's pretty high praise. Um and I think he's had some good coaches too. I'm sorry. He's made a couple he's made a couple of them mad, but he's had some good coaches too. Yeah. Rick Carlisle being the one he pissed off the most. And uh and he's like one of the greatest coaches in the NBA. Yeah. Uh but uh and it was Tuesday, not Monday. But um point stands. Uh Rondo's a really big Luke fan, and I think the feeling's mutual. If Rondo comes back, I don't want to see him play more fourth quarter than minutes and Lonzo ball in his yeah. junior season. Like that's ridiculous. That's my biggest fear with bringing Rondo back is the temptation for Luke to play him a ton of minutes. And it's been like, I never really was vouching too much for Caruso to come up. He has a lot of limitations, mainly offensively, Right. but it has been absolutely eye opening to see how big of a difference Caruso's made literally just I mean he's he's a, probably an above average defender but just at times just giving a damn on yeah. defense and just being a body in the way if nothing else makes such a huge difference and even even with Caruso playing as well as he is and taking Rondo's minutes Rondo just doesn't seem interested in changing or trying harder or anything which has been the most kind of frustrating thing to watch like Rondo just is making absolutely no effort to try any harder. I mean, I know it's a lost season and it probably means nothing to him, but still it's frustrating. I mean, Rondo kind of encapsulated the frustration of the second half of the year. Like he's a vet who was supposed to be brought in to be a leader. And he's just been awful since he came back from his last injury. So yeah, I, I'm just. I would just bring back Caruso at this point before I'd bring back Rondo. Yeah, and I, I, people have been making points on Twitter too that I think are, are are good points. Is that LeBron has always played well next to like third tier point guards uh, that try hard in defense and make open three pointers. That latter part for Caruso is something he still needs to work on. But you look at LeBron's resume of playing with dudes like. Uh, Matthew Delvadova and Mario Chalmers. Um, you know, Darren Williams was in the was playing big minutes in the finals that one year. <laughs> yeah, so it's it it's not out of the realm of possibility to bring Caruso back, and I'd I'd love to have him back on the vets minimum. I think he's earned it. I think he's earned a spot on an NBA roster. And if there's anybody the Lakers have brought up through their farm system over the past few years that deserves a a guaranteed contract with the team, it's Caruso. So. Uh, I agree. I think Caruso would be great to have as a as a third string point guard next season. Because um, when you look at the the point guard free agency class that I mentioned uh, earlier, 
it's not great. Um, I think Darren Carlson will be a free agent, which he would be fine to have. I think he has issues like off the court that I don't think the Lakers want to dabble into. Um, but he's there is the point. He'll be there. Uh, Jeff Teague has a player option. Again, I don't know if he'd sign for the vets minimum, which is what the what kind of players the Lakers would be looking at if they get that second max guy. Uh, also looking at room exception guys. So names like George Hill come up. Um, Raymond Felton, Corey Joseph, Isaiah Thomas, uh, Patrick Beverly. Um, so, you know, there'll be guys out there. I just don't know how many fit into what the Lakers are doing. There's a couple of those guys I would like. I'm not, I've liked Caruso, what he's done the last 10 games or so, or have five games, but I don't know that I'd be comfortable making him the second string, the backup, especially with how much Lonzo's hurt. Um, there's only a couple of those guys you listed that I would take over Caruso though. So, I mean, it may be out of necessity. Maybe they draft a point guard in the, in the draft if they keep the pick, but which would be great. Yeah, yeah or or maybe they just land Kimba and none of this is <laughs> or Kyrie or something. Kyrie, man, I I would love Kyrie on the Lakers so much. Like it's yeah. it's it's one of the, my guilty pleasures as a basketball fan. But it, it's part of the reason I love Kyle Kuzma so much. Is just I love skilled offensive players mm-hmm. so much to a fault. He's and, so much fun to watch. Yeah, seeing Kyrie Irving in a Lakers jersey would make me incredibly happy. So um, that's where I stand on that. I don't know too many too many people that wouldn't love Kyrie in a Lakers uniform. Uh, but that raises questions about Lonzo Ball uh, and his fit with the team. And if LeVar has his way, he'll be in Phoenix at the start of the next season. Let's, let's not go through that again. <laughs> that was... Uh, just a media nuke that he just dropped for like four days, but yeah, Man, for no reason, for no reason. By that by that time, like Walsh had already reported, uh, trade talks are dead, and he's like, "But wait, I have one more thing to say." He was like, it was like he was getting all the Woj notifications like three days later, <laughs> and like he wasn't really up to date. And then he just, yeah, yeah, that was so weird. But yeah, I mean, I think. Just for whatever reason, Luke hasn't really done that. I think you could start Kyrie and Lonzo just fine, but yeah, I just would rather not deal with <laughs> with Lavar's media tour again. The rotation gets real clunky when you look at like free agency because you can make the argument. I don't think you'd go very far in the argument, but you could make the argument the Lakers are set at every position one through four in their starting lineup right now. Uh, with Lonzo Ingram, Braun, and Kuzma. So their only real position of need, you could argue, is the five spot. If you bring in Kawhi or KD, anybody that can play the forward position, uh, you're moving either Ingram or Kuzma to the bench. And just, you know, as a smart person, you'd move Kuzma to the bench because, Mm -hmm. one, I think he's probably better suited for that six man position or that six man role anyway. And because Ingram's just a better player. Um, but I think it does, it does get interesting. Um, when you look at the guys they want to sign and the guys they already have there, 
Braun would probably have to move to the four. Um, Which so I think yeah. is probably better for him. Long, that's basically what he is at this point anyway. Yeah. I just don't think, I don't know what it is. He just doesn't like playing there though. Like he plays there most of the time, but I think as long as he starts at small forward, even if it's for like a minute, he's happy. Yeah. I mean, you can tell him, yeah, you're the small forward and then <laughs> tell Kawhi to switch onto the small forward after one possession, basically. Right. Do it. I'm all for it. Um, Mike Muscala, as we mentioned, uh, I would be shocked. I would be floored. And I think all of Lakers nation would, would crumble if Mike Muscala was brought back, even on a veterans minimum contract, that would be nuts. Because at that point it would just be the front office trying to, trying to save face and say like, you know, this is the guy we traded for. We believe in him. Uh, we gave him another opportunity to show what he's got so we can justify this dumb trade we made. The idea of Muscala makes sense with the Lakers, but there's nothing he does that Mo Wagner can't do, and Mo Wagner's already under contract. And that was the most, like, that was the <laughs> worst thing about that trade, that they didn't look at a single option internally before trading their starting center for Mike Muscala. Yeah. Like, like, I'm interested in what the Clippers would have legitimately given up for Zubats. That wasn't, <laughs> like, a big man that they were probably going to cut. But, and I mean, we'll, we'll never know. But, yeah, they would have probably given up something of worth. They probably... Okay, so the rumors were that the Lakers were considering cutting Mike Muscala before they traded him. They were just going to let oh, him go for Clippers. nothing. And they yeah, got they, the spots instead. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's yeah, they 100% would have would have just outright cut him. I mean, he wouldn't have been in there wasn't room for him in their rotation. That's what I they just, did. Man, I just don't know how that conversation went. Like the the Clippers go from probably cutting a guy to, and not even really thinking about him as like a like an option moving forward to like landing a center of the future. Nuts. The Lakers really, uh, I don't, I don't know. They messed up. They messed up that one pretty bad. Really badly. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's like a move on the fringes. It sucks because everybody loves Zubac. He's such a, he's such a good guy. But when they keep striking out on the fringes like this, like to a certain extent, it doesn't matter how many home runs you hit. Like if you strike out every other time you're going to struggle to build a team. So it's moves like that. I mean, the Reggie Bullock trade was a good trade, even if he did forget how to shoot when he got here. But that's, yeah, it's those, it's the, it's basically Zubats being traded paired with how Rondo is played paired with how Lance is played paired with the, how bad Beasley was and stuff like that. And everything just looks really bad. They struck out just, on every fringe like rotation or fringe move this off season. And it, it kind of reminds me, the Lakers were on the opposite end of a trade like this a few years ago. If you remember the Steve Blake for Kent Bazemore and Marshawn Brooks trade, that was <laughs> a phenomenal trade for them getting Kent Bazemore back in that trade. Uh, the only thing is <laughs> the, the next summer they renounced his restricted free agency rights, which is something that I didn't know until 
I looked back the other day that they didn't have to renounce him. They could have matched nope. any offer for him. Didn't they, even put in a qualifying offer. Right. Absolutely insane. So, yeah. It must run in the water there at the <laughs> Lakers because that was a totally different regime. Right. That did equally stupid things. It might, I, maybe they need to get some get some the water check there or something because this has been it's it's those types of moves that like that's a difference between having like a playoff contender and a title contender. Right. It's uh it's been tough out here. He he got paid though. Shout out to yeah. Baseball for getting paid. And the um, rumor was, I don't know if he ever said anything, but the rumor was like the Lakers offered him the same amount of money as the uh, the Hawks did that same summer. He, yeah, well, yeah. well, yeah, 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 the year he said that that big yeah. deal, 2016, and he turned down the Lakers because of the fact that they didn't like pursue him in free agency the last time around. I, I, yeah, I do recall that as well. So then they turned and gave all that money to Lou Alding. <laughs> Good stuff. Woo! All right. Uh. Next up is Lance Stevenson, uh, who I of, of everybody the Lakers can bring back, and I will include Mike Muscala in this list. I would I would love not to have Lance Stevenson back in the Lakers <laughs> next season. I think as a like as a fifteenth man on the bench, perhaps like as somebody just to sit there and cheer for the team. I think that would be just fine. But I think some team will talk themselves into them being able to maximize Lance on the roster. So I don't think that's an option. And I'm glad it's not an option because I, th- I think he's been mostly bad this season. To Luke's credit, to an extent, uh, before everybody got hurt, Lance wasn't in the rotation. And he was just outright saying Lance wasn't there because he was not playing the way that they wanted him to play. Yeah. Um, and then everybody got hurt and you couldn't afford to sit Lance anymore. Um, early in the year, he I thought he was fine, but he kind of reverted back to what we expected. And that's all, even with him, I, I think it's still a career-high three-point percentage this year. Um, it's just everything he does. If it were just simply like he were catching and shooting threes, it would be fine. It's the 5,000 dribbles he takes in between those three-pointers that drive you insane so i mean yeah like you said i think he's a he's a good locker room guy the the guys seem to like him they make lonzo's made songs with him <laughs> uh i mean he seems to be a good locker room guy but it's just i don't know that i would trust the lakers to bring him back and not play him basically so i mean i guess for that reason i probably don't want him back and the frustrating thing is like his ability as a ball handler isn't invaluable. Like that's a mm-hmm. that's a valuable skill to have. It's just what he does after he creates that space is, is what the problem is. It's like you can create that space and then create other looks for your guys. You don't have to pull up from mid range or like take a contested shot. But that's his problem is that he just has the worst decision making skills in in history on and off the court. Um he like I see what you did there. Uh, he like he has these moments where he's like, "Yes, great! Like that was a great decision. Do that every time." And then he comes down the court and does the same move and pulls up for like a nineteen foot contested two pointer. And it's like, why? Like, what are you doing? So it's that kind of inconsistency that's just frustrating. And 
the reason why I don't think they should bring him back. There's much better fits for a, a guard, kind of a combo guard than Lance. So I mentioned at the top of the show that there were maybe two guys I'd consider bringing back from this existing roster, Bullock being one of them, and the other being JaVale McGee. Um, I think there was a point in the season where JaVale was just bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, what month is it? Oh, God, the season has been so long. It's March. <laughs> so It's all blurred together. Yeah. So I think for most of January and the better half of February, he was pretty bad. Um, but he's been, he's looked like himself again as of late. Like whatever side effects were there, or conditioning issues that were there uh, from when he was hospitalized with pneumonia, which when you look at all of the injuries and, and things that have hit the Lakers um, this season, <laughs> being hospitalized with pneumonia is pretty <laughs> up there. It's just like, that's a symbol of how unlucky the Lakers have been this season. Uh, mm-hmm. But JaVale as, as a backup center is a very good backup center. Like that is, that would be a home run signing for them, especially if they can get him back on the vets minimum. I'm just not sure that he won't get an offer as a starter on another team somewhere in the league. Yeah. I mean, if you would asked me this in like November, early December, um, I would think that we wouldn't be able to afford him. And like, not even as a joke, he was playing yeah. so well, especially defensively. Um, he was starting to slow there a little bit, even before he got pneumonia. But I mean, pneumonia is like no joke. Like, yeah. it's I'm not surprised it took him this long to kind of get himself back into shape um, and get. A, I mean, especially when he already has a, the asthma problem. So I mean. Um, I would bring him back as a as a bench guy. Um, I think at this point he's had kind of an up-and-down season to where I don't think he'll make anything more than the vet's minimum. Um, he meshed really well with, with LeBron and Lonzo and whatnot as a lob threat. Um, he makes sense for what the Lakers want to do. Um, yeah, I'd be fun. I don't know that I'd want him back as a starter, um, but... Yeah, I'd bring him back. I he would him and Bullock I would both be happy to bring back. And the the center position is one that will be I don't want to say especially rich, but the Lakers will have options at that center position this summer, which is why it's unlikely a guy like Tyson Chandler will be brought back. And to start the season, like his very first game, Tyson Chandler was very good. I mean, his mm-hmm. first few games he was a pretty valuable player, uh, even in spite of his age. It's just that he's had lingering back problems that have kept him, you know, on and off the court for several months now. So uh, he's a he's a good locker room guy. Uh, I, I think you know there's no denying that. But from where the where the Lakers are trying to get, every roster spot matters, especially with assuming they keep that pick. Um, that's just another roster spot on a project. Um, so I, I don't see Tyson Chandler coming back, uh, which opens up their options. Or well, I'm sorry. it, it um, What am I trying to say? The, they need a center. If JaVale's not coming back and Tyson's not coming back, uh, they need somebody to play that center position. And Mo Wagner has looked very okay 
uh, in the limited minutes he's gotten with the Lakers. I didn't get the pick when they made it. Um, I still don't get it ahead of guys like Mitchell Robinson and Landry Shamit. Um, I loved Landry Shamit. I was, right. I'm, I'm sad to see how well he's doing and that the Lakers didn't take him. And since the All-Star break, he has like the highest net rating on the Clippers. Like in in combination with his stellar shooting, and it's not even like a hindsight thing where like people are saying the Lakers could have had Jokic instead of Randall. It's like sure, but I mean at the time Randall was seen as like the seventh best pro- prospect on the board. Going into the draft, uh, all of Draftnik Twitter knew that Shamit was going to be a stud at the next level, uh, and there was at least hope that Mitchell Robinson would be a plus defender. Uh, at the next level. And both of those things were correct. And Mo Wagner was projected to be like an early second round pick. And the Lakers took him with their lone first round pick. I don't get it. Still don't get it. The, <clears throat> I think Wagner, I mean, it's the same thing as Muscala. Like as a, like him as like an archetype, like that type of player makes sense with LeBron and with Lonzo. Um, He's had moments where he's looked well with LeBron. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I'd trust him to be a starting center, but um, if you brought back JaVale and him and signed one other center, like, that's a fine big man rotation. Um, I don't think Tyson will come back. or sh- I'd be surprised if Tyson plays for any team next year. Like, yeah. I would, I would think that he would probably just hang it up. Like, he... The Lakers badly needed centers as they were making, like, this playoff push, however brief it was, and he couldn't even get on the court. Um, It's a shame because, yeah, I mean, he was a huge difference maker for him defensively when he was healthy early in the year. I mean, he still ranks in the 87th percentile defensively this year. Um, It's just his physically, he just can't do it anymore. Um he can't. He couldn't do it for 40 games this year, let alone 82 or whatever. So I, I don't think he's an option. I think it opens up a spot. Um, maybe they just. I mean, maybe they see enough from Wagner. There's still a handful of games left. Maybe they see enough from him that uh, he. They trust him. I don't know that that'll be the case. But yeah, like he'd have I, to. Sh- he'd have to show a lot. Yeah, he has, and, and he and it's it's paired with the fact that he struggled, um, which expectedly, like they probably should have been playing him much earlier in the uh, in the season than now. But um, I'm fine with Wagner being a rotation piece, but yeah, they're gonna have to find a center because um, there's a not all that unlikely scenario where Tyson retire, retires and. JaVale goes to another team and Wagner's the only center on the roster. Yep, 100%. So in the likely event that happens, here's what the Lakers are looking at on the center market. Uh, Al Horford, who has a player option worth $30 million, so I don't anticipate that, um, you know, him becoming available. Uh, Brooke Lopez, which I think we can shut the door on that one. Uh, and the same could be said of Robin Lopez because of the way Brooke Lopez was handled with the Lakers. Uh, Joakim Noah, Marcus Gasol, who also has a player option worth $25 million that he's unlikely to decline. 
so the realistic options we're looking at as far as starting centers are DeAndre Jordan, and there's been whispers that he'd like to come to L.A., whether it's the Lakers or the Clippers. Um, Mikola Vucevic, a guy that played at USC and is due for a raise after making his first All-Star game this past season. Uh, and DeMarcus Cousins, who has been all right for the Warriors. I think if you're paying Cousins, it's on a short-term deal, if not a one-year deal, uh, and not for max money. Uh, yeah, I mean, a couple of those guys, DeAndre, I'd be fine with. I think Vucevic will be too expensive because they're going to be star chasing. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, Boogie, I'm not, I don't know. When he first came back, I thought, wow, the Lakers made a huge mistake not signing him. But he's kind of, there was a couple games where the league, I guess, had to figure out how to defend him. And then now he's not that, he hasn't been very good, basically. Um, so I don't know. It'll be interesting. I'd say DeAndre is probably the one that I would like most, but I don't know that he'll want to come to, um, the Lakers when the Clippers are an option or New York, if they get, uh, if they get Durant. Yeah. Yeah. Cause him and Durant are pretty close. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure the, the center position is going to be weird. It was a, it's the same kind of thing the Lakers ran into last year where, it was, I mean, in hindsight, Zubats would have been fine as the center if he hadn't gotten sick in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that because it's a weird market. The center position's still kind of fading out a little bit of like the modern NBA. So a lot of guys are getting kind of weird deals. So I'm not really sure which way they go with the center position. Um, I mean, I think Vucevic would be a perfect fit and make a ton of sense, but he's never going to, the Lakers are never going to sign him because they would only do that if they're not going to get a superstar and they're going to chase every superstar until there's none left this summer. (laughs) And and that's the thing is that there are a handful of serviceable centers on the market. Like, you're looking at non-star guys like Enos Cantor, uh, Nerlens Noel, Dwayne Deadman, Aaron Baines, um, Hassan Whiteside if he opts out, uh, Willie Cauley-Stein. Just, you know, serviceable guys. But those aren't guys that I think personally are worth tying up their cap space going forward for. Because um, it, it, their, their whole thing... The, the whole reasoning behind trading D'Angelo Russell was to get that second star in free agency. And if the result of trading D'Angelo Russell is, um, you know, Nikola Vucevic and the pick that ended up being Kyle Kuzma, but Kyle Kuzma could have been the next pick. So really you're looking at Josh Hart and Thomas Bryant, who really isn't with the aren't, aren't with oh, the team. I forgot we don't have Thomas Bryant either. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus. So, uh, when you look at it like that, Vucevic, I don't think would be w- what their end game was. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, and, but if, if, so that's if they strike out in free agency and don't get that star player of the guys that are available, who would you say is the most likely, uh, to be lured 
to Los Angeles and want to play with LeBron James? Uh, most likely, hmm. I could see, I could see Kemba being one. Um, Kemba's good. Kemba's yeah, a good player. Kemba's, Kemba's really good. He's kind of faded off a little bit, but he also has an insane usage rate. Yeah, um, like you, at one point he led the league in usage rate, right? Yeah, and he has to do. It was a discussion I had earlier this year. I don't know that there's a bigger drop off between like the best player and the second best player in the league than Kemba to Jeremy Lamb. Um, yeah, because that is their second best player on the roster is Jeremy Lamb. He has to do so much for that team. So it'd be interesting to see him in a position where he doesn't have to do literally everything. Um, he is, yeah, he's down to 10th in usage rate, but it's still at 31.1%, which is just below LeBron. So, I mean, he's doing everything for that team. Um, I think it'd be interesting with Kemba. He's from the New York area. Um, if the Knicks strike out on Kyrie, um, maybe they just throw the max money offer at Kemba and he goes back home, um, which would mean I think I do think there is something to this Kyrie reunion potentially. He seems to absolutely hate being in Boston and being with that team. That team, everybody in that team seems to hate each other. Yeah. Um. So I, when you said Al Horford, like he probably won't turn that down. Part of me, I was like, ah. I don't know. They all seem to really dislike each other there. Yeah, and the the weirdest um, the weirdest thing that came of like uh, I think it was either last summer or two summers ago. They asked Al Horford like, "How different is this team now that like Jay Crowder and Isaiah Thomas and all those dudes have been left?" He's like, "Yeah, no, it's definitely weird because." All the reasons, like all the guys that recruited me here, and the reason I wanted to play oh, yeah. not here anymore. I was just like, "Oh, that doesn't sound good." So yeah. Um, so yeah, I think Kimba, I think Kyrie are both uh, realistic in terms of like the most realistic. Maybe not the most likely. I mean, Jimmy Butler at this point, I don't see Philly giving him a max offer sheet or a max offer. I mean. I don't think they give up as much as they did for Tobias and not Max Tobias. Um, and things were already going kind of weird with Jimmy even before the Tobias trade. So um, I could see them maxing Tobias and then kind of lowballing or maybe giving him like a one plus one to Jimmy. And then when he says no, they can do the whole, oh, well, we tried to bring him back type of thing. Yeah. Which. Uh, then kind of opens it up for where he wants to go. He seems like the type who would wouldn't be wouldn't shy away from playing next to LeBron. Um, I don't know. I'm really hesitant about giving a Tibbs guy a third contract because I mean we're gonna still be paying Lou Aldang for three more years or however many more. Yeah, um, and it's a, that was the exact same scenario. So if it's like. Maybe if it's like a two plus one, I could probably be fine with it for Jimmy. Anything more than that, I'm going to be real hesitant about it. But I think those three at this point are probably the three most likely to to come to L.A. I agree uh, with Kemba and Jimmy. I think Jimmy's probably 
the most likely because you look at Philly's situation, um, that team is stacked, like yeah. loaded. I think Tobias is likely to resign, if not just because uh, Boban's still on the team. But uh, <laughs> they they got a squad there, and even if Jimmy leaves, they'll be all right because they got JJ um, playing that two spot. Um, He's a free agent too. He'd be interesting. Yeah. He'd he'd be great, and he had said this past summer that the Lakers had uh, conversations with him. So um, it's definitely going to be an interesting summer. I am in that same boat of being hesitant to give Jimmy Butler his next contract, um, especially. But the, the the thing is, though, if the Lakers don't sign a free agent this summer. They're star chasing, like their their whole plan of chasing a second star ends. Because I was looking at Brandon Ingram's cap hold. Yeah, they can't afford to go after AD with Ingram. Right, because Ingram has a cap hold in twenty twenty of twenty one million dollars, um, and of course that can be less if they agree to an extension with him before then. Um, and maybe they get him on a bargain deal because the way that Ingram has played so far, like with the exception of the lat this last half of the season, he's been okay. You know, he has not, he hasn't shown enough for me to want to throw max money at him. Uh, so maybe they get him on a bargain deal, but even then, that's not enough to uh, to afford AD. If they don't get somebody this summer, they're kind of screwed. Yeah, I. that's why I think no matter what, they're going to exhaust every avenue to try to get a star this summer. Because, yeah, like this is it. Like this this has to be done this year with the roster as is. Um, I mean, maybe they trade Ingram. I don't know. I mean, it's unfortunate. I don't know how much trade value he's going to have with this blood clot thing. It sounds like he's going to be all right. Yeah, but, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, it's, everything sounds like it's going to be all right. Um, I mean, with the Chris Bosch stuff still fairly recent, I think it would probably scare quite a few teams off, or at least the, they wouldn't give up what the Lakers would be looking for. Um I think their evaluations of his talent are going to be vastly different. Um, so yeah, that means that they have to <clears throat> they have to get it figured out this summer, which kind of goes back to what I said at the start. Like this needs to be the summer that they they get everything done. Like this needs to be the summer where they're going after guys with two and three year deals, um, stuff like that. Go after a, a JJ Redick with like a two year deal or something or stuff like that. Like. You need to go after these guys, find the pieces that you need, outbid people instead of offering these one-year deals, and get this team figured out. Like, I mean, maybe this is me starting to talk myself into Butler. Like, having Jimmy Butler next year wouldn't be the worst thing. Like, I wouldn't Absolutely. be mad. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be mad that Jimmy Butler's on the team. Like, he's a hell of a player. It's it would be the years after down the road that I'd be worried about, but and the locker room stuff. Honestly, he sounds like a <laughs> yeah. nightmare of a teammate. Yeah, I mean, 
again, this might be me talking myself into it. It doesn't sound like Andrew Wiggins is all that fun to be around. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe there was some validity to it, but the same thing happened in Chicago and to and a degree. Philly. Yeah. yeah, to a degree has happened in Philly. So, um, yeah, I mean, on the court – that would be a hell of a team with LeBron and Butler. And if you kept Ingram and Lonzo, like that's a hell of a defensive team. Right. Yeah. Um, it's just all the, all these fringe moves they struck out on, they have to nail this summer and they also need to do it with the, with like the future in mind. Like you need to secure these guys, whether it be for Luke or for the next guy, that'll probably be there. Um, it's a credit to Luke that he was able to have the defense playing as well as it was last year and the first half of this year, given the roster turnover and the fact that he's coaching a bunch of one-year deals. Um, but, yeah, that since since really Christmas, everything's gone so downhill that I think fair or foul, probably fair, that Luke will be the fall guy for all this. Um, he'll be gone, but you need to give that next coach some type of security to to sign these guys to multi-year deals and start yeah. building to the future. It's going to be an interesting summer. I mean, the front office at the coaching position and with the players, uh, and hopefully everything goes their way. Because if not, things will be very, very bad for the next few years. Um, that's our show for today. Uh, thank you all for listening and thank you, Jacob, for filling in today. Uh, it's always nice talking to you. If you enjoyed this episode with Jacob, uh, you can read his work and my work over at Lonzo Wire. Uh, and if you enjoyed this podcast in general, if you like listening to me talk about basketball, uh, you can leave us a review on iTunes at the Silver Screen and Roll podcast feed. Uh, say some nice things for me in the review. Um, and otherwise we will see you all next week. Jacob, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me.